Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello, dear listener. My name is Paul Aceman. I'm a pastor in a small church in downtown Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And today I'm bringing you a message from the letter of the Apostle Paul to the church in Colossae. And I'd like to read Colossians 1, verse 9 through 20. This is what we read there. It begins, for this reason. So the Apostle Paul, in the previous paragraph, he was talking about how grateful and thankful he is for the faithfulness which the people in that church were showing in their love for God. And so Paul says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to the glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I just want to read one verse a second time. Verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And that's the title for the message this day, In Him all things hold together. Dear listeners, there's a man who uh, lived 700 years ago. His name was William Ockham, and uh, he is a philosopher or theologian, and he wrote these words. He said, I don't really understand anything until I know God. A person can become very knowledgeable about some area of science. Let's say he, he knows all about monarch butterflies, where they spend their winter how they raise their families. But if he doesn't know God, he doesn't really know anything because he can't answer the most important question, the question why. Why do these butterflies exist? We have science because humans are curious. We want to understand things. We want to know how, but we want to know even more importantly, why? The question how is just about mechanics. But the question, why, is about existence. Why does it do that? Why does it exist? 
Isn't it strange that the most important question is the one most people can't answer? They don't know why we exist. Why am I the person I am? Why do I experience life the way I do? Why do things happen to me this way? Why was I born? Why, why, why? We have these questions and we ask them and we are helpless often to find an answer. This man, William Ockham, he said, we begin to really understand the creation when we believe in God. Because God created the world and he did it for a very special purpose. He created the world to show his glory and so that humans may discover it and praise him for it. And so I was created by God to declare his glory, to praise him. I live for one great glorious purpose. I live to honor God. I reach the height of my humanity when I live for God, and I will never be happier than when I bring honor to him. Then I have fullness of life. Then I have meaning in my life. The Apostle Paul in this passage from Colossians 1, he's even more specific. He says, we exist not just for God, but we exist for Christ Jesus. In verse 16, he says, all things were created through him and for him. It's for Jesus Christ. That is, everything exists, everything was created to bring glory to Jesus, to bow before his throne and adore him and acknowledge him as the great and supreme glorious king. If you don't know Christ, then it's, it's impossible to understand the world. It's like trying to understand the behavior of, of a young man with a woman. He goes to her house. Sometimes he goes to her house every day of the week. He brings flowers one day. He brings chocolates on another day. He holds her hand while they're walking. He even kisses her on the lips. He spends all his spare time with her. What's this all about? Why does he do these things? Why? Well, if I don't know about the emotion love, then this behavior seems very strange. But when we hear that he loves this woman and we understand the emotion of love, well, then everything falls into place. We understand why he does these things. Love is the answer that explains the relationship and the behavior within that relationship. So how can you understand creation if you don't know Jesus? We can understand some aspects of creation. We can understand the relationships between some things. But the overall reasons are impossible to understand. To understand the world, we need to know that Jesus created it. In him all things are created, Paul says in verse 16. And also in that same verse he says, all things are created through him and for him. Jesus, therefore, because he created everything and he created everything for himself, Jesus has a very strong emotional tie to the world. The Father created the world through the Son. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are each passionate about creation because they're all deeply involved in bringing it into existence. And, and therefore, when sin came into the world, God was deeply grieved it was like he lost something that was very precious to him. You can imagine what that's like, perhaps. You can imagine what it's like to lose a newborn child. Imagine parents, they just become parents and their child dies. That would be a terrible loss. 
and that would bring grief upon the parents. Now, all things in heaven and on earth, all things visible and invisible, both thrones and dominions and rulers and authorities, they were all created by God and were full of wonder and power and promise and beauty. And God longed for so much that would come forth from what he had created. But when sin came, then the shadow of death came upon everything, all that he loved, and brought this under the threat of total extinction. And as a result, God's passion was aroused. He could not stand by and allow it to fail. He cares about the world so very, very much. And therefore, God chose to redeem it. He did what he had to do. The problem of sin seemed to us to be too terrible and too powerful to be fixed because sin brings along with it disease and disaster and death. But Jesus, Jesus is the great troubleshooter. The Father sent the Son to fix it. He sent his Son to, to become a human. And as a human, God the Son did the work that was necessary to save the world. Now, the how of this story is wonderful itself, but the why, why did Jesus do this? This is what Paul is concerned about here in our reading. Jesus did what he did because he's the creator. All things are created through him and for him, we read. And Jesus is in love with what he had made. And so he redeemed it, he saved it, and he brought together his people, his church, the redeemed out of the world. It is so important, this community of people, his church, it's so important to Jesus that he calls it his body. And that's what he's so proud of in this world. He's so proud of his church. And he loves it. He loves his church. He loves these people. There are not many people who understand this. People study the world, but they don't know why it exists. They don't see that it was created in Christ, nor do they see that it was saved from the brink of total destruction by Christ. But you know that, and you understand that, don't you? And that gives you considerable power. If you want to fix a problem, you know better than anyone how to do it, because you know why you exist. You can go to Jesus in prayer and you can ask him for healing power. But you know that you exist for his glory. So you need only to pray for healing, for wisdom and patience. Because you may have to suffer and endure certain things. But we need to live in obedience to him. He is preeminent over all things. He is preeminent. He is glorious over all things, over the stars and the storms. And he will be preeminent in you. He wants to be glorified by your love, by your gratitude, by your praise, by your obedience, even when it's tested by trials and suffering. He will be glorified by you. He is God and he deserves for you to be totally devoted to him. When we learn to bow before him, we will experience our lives bound together into the great symphony of this creation, bringing glory to God through Jesus Christ. He fixed the world, 
and he's fixing us until the day comes when we enter into glory, his glory and ours. You understand. And so keep yourself together in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening.